This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. The year 2020 was a platform-shaking one for us FileMaker developers. So much new stuff came to us, both in terms of the platform and in how we learn about it. Today, Todd and I talk about that year of 2020 for FileMaker developers. We explore everything we've seen in the past year, changes in how we meet, new FileMaker functions, and so much more. Luckily, we're in the new year, and all that happened in 2020 is part of our history and part of how we now operate. Let's look back on this monumental year. Hey, Todd. Welcome back. It's good to talk with you. How are you today? I'm good, Jeremy. Thanks. <laughs> it's, the, it's the new year. It are is. you excited about this new year? 2021. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's good uh, to have a new year. Yeah, it's, sure. it's good. It's good fresh, good to refresh yourself. Even if New Year's resolutions don't really work, as they say, it's nice to have a a period on the calendar where you can say, "All right, I'm going to try a few new things." That's I'm not right. going to make it. I'm not going to make it official or formal. I'm not going to broadcast it out to the world, but I'm just going to try a few things. Um, have you? Are you trying any new things in this new year? Um, I always am trying new things. Um, working with different ways of just organizing my work day. Um, and, uh, so that I have a good balance between work and not working. So that's always a challenge and it can get end of the year. Things tend to get very busy with end of the year stuff. So it can be a, a challenge to kind of rebalance. So, yeah. And especially when you're home all the time, it's really easy to be always in work mode. So opportunity to try to tame that beast a little bit. You know, this year on Twitter, I'm uh, at least these first couple of days, I'm, I'm posting out New Year's resolution ideas for FileMaker developers. Ah, there you go. Good. Things yeah. like, hey, you know what? You know, maybe this is a good time to study transactions or, or, or JavaScript. Yeah. 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 So we'll see what FileMaker developers New Year's resolutions will be. But... I want to take this time with you to uh, talk about what happened in 2020 um, yeah. in our in our in our platform in our yeah. world. Um, I really I know we all know the kind of year that we had. I don't want to focus on any of that stuff. I just want to focus on the great things that happened in our community sure. in the year 2020. And uh, I put together a pretty long list. I hope I didn't miss anything. Um, Listeners, if I did, let let us know, and we'll uh, we can circle back to those. And Todd, if uh, if you remember anything that happened that I didn't put on this list, go ahead and uh, speak up. Okay. Sure will. Um, but I'd like to like break it down into three three sections, and we'll we'll hit each section at once. One is the the filemaker the the Claris filemaker community. Um, another area of topics is the Claris filemaker platform itself. And then I was interested in just seeing what happened and reflecting on what happened at Geist Interactive in 2020. Yeah. So, right. Lots of good stuff. All right. So let's get started. The first one I have is the Claris FileMaker community is pretty amazing already. Um, I, as an MVP, strive really hard to make it, allow it to be productive for people, you know, yeah. get rid of name calling and, you know, and fights and all that kind of stuff. I don't want this to be another stack overflow or anything, you know, <laughs> and, but what I've noticed actually in the year, in the year 2020 is that there's a lot more questions from FileMaker developers about JavaScript. Yeah. 
Um, and I definitely have tuned into that. Of course, I kind of have a little bit of a bias, I, I admit, but I'm just happy to see in, in our Claris community, people are asking about JavaScript more. Um, people are asking how to, how to build a particular um, workflow. They're working with libraries and they need refinements on questions. They need help with uh, the, the new script step and the new JavaScript function. So there's just a lot of good discussion and even more heartening. There's a lot of people that are contributing to that. Yeah. I mean, JavaScript, um, you know, this was the year when it really kind of became obvious that uh, it's, it's, it, it, it is definitely something you're going to need to know if you're in the FileMaker world, uh, at least you're going to need to know about. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's no longer something you, you can just ignore because it's, it's, it's quickly becoming very common to see JavaScript in the community. Um, people are releasing all kinds of tools and add-ons and things like that, that, that use it. Uh, so, you know, this is something that we've been pushing for and hoping for, for quite some time, just recognizing that JavaScript is, um, is just such a powerful contributor to the overall, you know, programming or application development environment, uh, you, know, you know, throughout the world that it just was becoming something you, you couldn't ignore. You know, we got JSON a few years back and that was kind of the first piece of it, uh, that we got. And, and now we have all this great new stuff. And so it's. It's here to stay. I expect it will only get more and more embedded in the platform in, in the years to come. The, uh, the Claris community has this cool little feature where you can see how many questions were asked on a particular you know, a topic. I yeah. typed in JavaScript at a search and there were like 4,600 questions about JavaScript in the lifetime of this, of the, of the community, anything yeah. that they brought over. So this was September 30th. 2008 through um, today, roughly, yeah. and 4,700. And in the last, you know, roughly a year, about a fourth of those questions have come. Yeah. So over, a little over a thousand questions have come in just one year yeah. about JavaScript. So yeah, there's a big uptick on it. And it's, it's really nice to see that. So that's 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 a cool thing that happened in 2020. I'm really happy to see that the community itself is, you know, is overall is becoming a better place. People are just working together to help each other out. So as it should that's be. A, yeah, as it should be. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're a small we're a small platform, niche platform where hopefully you'll get bigger, but the community should be a good place where people can learn. I learned from it. You, yeah. I think you did. You told me yeah, in your absolutely. origin story. Yeah in whatever form you had way back then, you benefited greatly from this community. We use smoke signals. That's how we. You did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> how did you write about transactions with what's the signal? There signal? Special smoke signals that signified transactions. <laughs> um, we had, it was back in the day we had email and, and actual print magazines. That's how we, yeah. that's how that, that's, that was our community at the time. So it, it's it's just good. 2020, it finally brought all the JavaScript out from under the you know the the secret dark stuff that we could do in FileMaker and and made it more mainstream. So that's great. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, in the community, I feel like this was the year of of podcasts. I mean, we were all home. It was kind of maybe hard to listen, but people were were recording more podcasts. Yeah, and well, it's getting easier and easier to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, even I am able to do this pretty well here. So lots of podcasts in the community that has, that is really awesome to hear, to hear. Um, I can think of like five or six that, that popped to mind. There's the context podcast, obviously. 
Um, we got Fireside FileMaker. Fireside FileMaker is done by uh, Michael Richard and uh, John Mark Osborne. We have FileMaker Talk by the two Matts, Matt Navarre and Matt um, Petrowski. And, and then we have a Data Sols podcast and then Thomas and Teresa Makwa on yeah. FileMaker Off the Record. So there's quite a few that I know of that are fairly regularly producing um, episodes and bringing good conversation to the community. This was the year of podcasts just in general across the whole the whole world. I mean, um, it's now, unfortunately, they be, they've uh, begun to attract major capital investment. So I, I don't know what's going to happen to podcasts in the future. Most of the uh, of the successful podcasts are now owned by Spotify or Amazon just bought Wondery last week. It's it's um, you know this is what happens. A media gets popular and and the big the people with a lot of money come in and buy it up. And unfortunately, that's that's happened in this in podcasting, which was kind of the 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 wild west of media. Um, and this was the year when that all became a big deal. You know what's cool about this, the FileMaker one specifically is that they're they are having great conversations about techniques of FileMaker. I hear concepts of FileMaker talked about. You know, even in an audio podcast, people are describing the techniques that they're using, and of course, bringing on guests of all different voices and experience levels. I just it, it's it's awesome to feel that in the community. Um, to you know, there's a ton of JavaScript podcasts. They all you know, maybe they have some of the same guests, they talk about some of the same subjects, but it's definitely different angles and voices. And I welcome, I'm glad to see more podcasts in the FileMaker community. So I hope that happens. Um, you know, along those lines, Twitter and Facebook, you know, Facebook is, I won't say anything negative on this podcast except for about Facebook and just everything it, it is, but I try to stay off Facebook except for the two or three FileMaker user groups that I'm a part of. There's actually some good conversations going on there. Um, I know, Todd, you don't participate much at fa in Facebook anymore, but but it, it, again, that's another forum for people to um, get out there and, and ask questions. Um, so it's nice to see that, you know, there's, uh, I actually saw people from ages ago that are starting to get back into FileMaker and, and finding their voice on on Facebook as well. So I don't know, it's just a good thing to see more um, places of discussion happening. Yeah, I, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly active on Twitter, um, uh, but it's mostly begrudgingly. And I've fine-tuned my Twitter pretty pretty tightly around just the very, top, the very few topics I'm interested in. And, um, and I prefer that. Uh, I prefer something like the FileMaker community to having to log into Facebook to answer or see questions about FileMaker. That's just me. Everybody's got their, you know, their favorite ways of doing it. But what happens when I go on Facebook is then I spend, you know, <laughs> I spend whatever, how long it takes going down whatever rabbit holes I get sucked into. And I just don't want to do that. So I try to go away. Today's episode is brought to you by FM Perception and its companion product, FM Comparison. FM Perception is the only real-time developer intelligence tool out there. In the middle of development, you can switch to FM Perception and learn about the file you are actively working on. You can learn what scripts call the script you're currently working on. You can review all the global variables you have in your system and any broken references and so much more. I use FM Perception every day and am still discovering what more I can do with it. And new in 2020, 
is FM Perception's companion product, FM Comparison. Currently in beta, FM Comparison illuminates the differences between two versions of the same file. It shows you only the differences between those two files and nothing else. FM Comparison takes a difficult to understand report from FM Perception and isolates that report, making it easier to read and just doing a better job of summarizing the changes. In scripts, fields, tables, layouts, calculations, accounts, and much more, FM Comparison will show you the changes made between the older and the new version. This is a great tool to review work done on a file by a junior developer, or <laughs> as in my case, reconcile an offline copy of a file with its host itself. Yeah, sometimes I forget which file I'm working in and make changes in the wrong file. Have you ever done that? Well, if you have, FM Comparison will show you the changes so you can make sure that one file, preferably the hosted version, has all the work you've done. Check out FM Comparison as you check out FM Perception. And if you want, join us every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time for office hours. Dave Ramsey clears his desk and shows you around these tools and how to use them and answers your questions. FM Perception and FM Comparison. How can you live without them? We actually haven't mentioned this, but there's actually, you know, quite a few forums out there. I mentioned the Claris community yeah. and that's, like I said, is becoming better. It's, it's becoming more robust. Um, it's a modern platform. Do you, do you get onto the community very much? Sometimes. Yeah. 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 And just see what's I going prefer on. prefer the communities that are focused and, and productive. Yep. So, um, you know, that's really what I'm looking for. I'm not, I don't want to have fights. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't want to mediate fights, you know, any of that stuff. I want, if I have a question, I want to be able to ask, ask a question and have um, smart people answer it for me. Or, or if I'm going to answer a question, you know, be able to answer it. So I like those kinds of things, which is why I prefer the, the more targeted forums as opposed to, um, you know, things on Facebook or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, whether it's the forums or various, you know, everybody's got Slack groups that they belong to and things like that. I find mm -hmm. those very, very useful. Yeah. And let's, let's mention the forums. So there's obviously the Claris community forum. There's FM forums, which has been around quite a long time, forever. But forever. Um, it's really nice because you can actually find a particular topic like the, every, you know, every post is tagged and I look for the web viewer topics, mm -hmm. um, that section, and there's places for people to post their um, blog posts and their podcast episodes and all that stuff. So that's a really good place. Uh, have you, you've been a member for quite a while, right? Ever. Yeah. Forever. Okay. Forever and ever. <laughs> There's um, the.fm soup, which is relatively new. Um, it's sort of, a, it's a newer uh, forum that is built on, I think, Discord. Is that a, that's not a, Discord, but Discord. Discourse. Yeah. Built on Discord. Discord, which is another forum kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any FileMaker groups on discord with a d um, yeah. but somebody should start one maybe yeah so fm soup is a, it's a smaller one but it's actually growing it's it's a little over a year old but i've actually seen an uptick in the in the in the activity there and there's a lot of good questions and a lot of uh cross-linking from other forums and such so it's nice to see that it's you know it, it is kind of funny because you see the same people in, in all these different forums yeah um but that's good, I guess, because it's 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 getting out there. It's having everybody, 
be a part of it. It'd be great if we were just all one forum, but you know, not every platform is going to please everybody. So I guess we can't do that. And that's what, you know, discourse is a very nice modern platform in forums. Um, You can easily like scroll to the last response. You you can see which topics are new since you've been there last and so forth. So it's, it's fun. And, and, and I spend some time in there as well. They actually, I think they just went uh, nonprofit or they, they created their constitution and bylaws recently. So they're really kind of formalizing themselves. Good. And then there's, I've never, I'll have to get on this. I don't have, I'm not sure if I have an account, but there's FileMaker Today's forums, which have been around also forever. All right. So that's, let's see, what else in the community? Because I'm um, all over in the community, as, as people would say, that's kind of part of my job. I see a lot of partners um, people who might be competitors with us or whatever, they're actually producing a lot of great stuff. They're, they're producing a lot of great stuff that contributes to the, the modern, uh, the, the way that we work with FileMaker now. Uh, I can think of three or four right now. Um, productive Computing, I've tweeted about these, these people, these guys a couple of times, but they're at, they've actually put out a lot of great videos on the add-ons, mm-hmm. um, introducing the add-ons to the masses and, get a lot of views about them. They go into great detail about how to configure them, how to you know, work with uh, the scripting and such. So it's nice to see that. Matt uh, Petrowski at FM Magazine is always, mm-hmm. is always good for a lot of great content. Um, beginner, I think he kind of describes himself as intermediate to advanced people. He's, he's kind of focused on that kind of people. So yeah. giving us lots of tricks and tips and, and ideas about how to use FileMaker. AppWorks has also produced a great uh, series on uh, called FileMaker Cool Tricks, where they just do short little videos that show little little things to do in FileMaker, little tricks to do. Um, so they produce quite a few of those. A lot of good stuff. Have you do you have you noticed any other partner contributions? Yeah, I mean, no, producing great content. I mean, uh, I mean, Saliant, um, Wimdecor is always producing great stuff there. Um, uh, Codence also is doing a bunch of, a bunch of content, very informative. Uh, it's just useful to have people doing this kind of stuff because the days of FileMaker being something that one person could truly master are, are long gone. So being able to, you know, rely on other people to produce content and, and, and give you the, give you the secrets on areas that you might not be an expert in is super useful. Um, you know, the, I mean, servers changed a lot. I mean, there's so many things that are now just complicated. They're like a subspecialty of its of itself, and it's it's pretty much impossible to to do it all. So, you know, anytime there's a question about about authentication, uh, OAuth authentication on server, I'm going to look for something that Wim's done uh, over at Alliant and and read up on that. And it's it's good stuff. So we need a lot of that kind of content. Everybody, uh, anybody who can produce meaningful content or useful content is a, is a value. So I love, I love to see that stuff. I love to see people producing, not just, not just like, um, Hey, you know, some, uh, just like some little tweak, but full example files or papers that go into, or blog posts that go into detail about how new releases may be different or, or changes that are cut that have come in the new release whether it's server or pro or, or whatever stuff is so valuable. Sometimes it's, you just don't, if you weren't paying attention, you might not know like FileMaker server 19.2 that just came out has a bunch of 
it's been it's a pretty big upgrade uh, in terms of its capabilities and what it what it might be able to do. We don't know yet. It's still very new, but a lot of stuff under the hood there that uh, is new and new platforms like 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 Linux now for server. It's just you know it's great to have content like that being produced by other folks. Yeah, I <laughs> I remember when I first started this and and getting my content out there, I was in dismay whenever I would see someone else write about the same thing I was going to write about or something or close to it. And now I'm just like, Hey, I'm so glad for that because they have a different angle and it's just another piece of content out there. Right. right. I mean, I've, I've read probably, you know, probably 50 posts on the spread operator in JavaScript. So not one person has to write about only one thing or yeah. You, you we want don't need one body of knowledge, and that body of knowledge needs yeah. to be come from different from from different places. The best and authoritative sources for each subcontent subcontent will rise to the top, and that's just a natural process. Um, and uh, you know, people who produce people and companies that produce quality content over time will will rise to the top. And so, you yeah. just if you're out there thinking about doing this, you just have to start and don't be worried if you're not, if everybody doesn't follow you right away, or, you know, if you don't become the authoritative source on something right away, it just takes time. You just keep plugging away at it and just know that if you're, if you're producing value, it will get noticed. And so one of the ways you can, you can do that is just to write things that like, if you learn about a technique, you learn about something, a really good way to like cement that as part of your knowledge is to write about it. Mm-hmm. So write a blog post about it, get it out there. Even if it only is for you to find in six months when you want to, when you, when you want to remember how it is, you did that, that that'll be good enough. And so over time that, that content builds up and it becomes uh, an important body of knowledge for the rest of the community. Yep. So in two, two, 2020, the partners all over the world had great content and did great things and they're continuing that. Um, I'm still struck by what Dayback did with the, with uh, with the calendar and just turning it into an add-on that was yep. like day after add the day after FileMaker 19 was released or the day of yep. it was out and ready. And it was just a new concept of working with these, with these add-ons and installing a product. So to me, that was a highlight in the community. <laughs> um, all right, let's keep on going. Uh, I, I got a few more. I'll talk one more thing and then I'll let you um, talk about some more, but the, the, um, the whole Claris community, I'm going to mention Claris International themselves. I think Jointable was part of this. I think Salient Consulting did a lot. But just the whole community's work in the COVID response mm-hmm. um, was pretty incredible. I think we did it. We did a podcast with them, with um, Julie and the people from the COVID response team. And it just seemed like overnight they had this fully functioning you know, program up and running and was ready to help out first responders, educators, anybody who was affected, who really needed some help in, in developing apps to respond to this COVID crisis. Yeah, it was very cool to see. And we, we did some consulting on some projects that joint table brought uh, to us early on. And um, you know, that kind of stuff is, is nice to see. I mean, it, it, it's good that the community has the resources that it can apply to to times of crisis. When stuff like like the pandemic happens, you know, a lot of people were impacted to the point where they didn't have any resources, right? They weren't 
they, they, they didn't have the time they could give away to, to, to help out. Um, but we were lucky enough to have the time and others were, and, and, um, that says something about the community that we, we have some capacity to rise to the occasion. That's good to see. We have the capacity, but we also have the, the perfect platform to do this in, yeah, right? right. Mm-hmm. With with low code, I mean, there's there's articles quite a, there's quite a few articles featuring Brad Freitag talking about this, mm-hmm. about how low code is the perfect time perfect platform to get into this and respond very quickly. Um, and, yeah, it, has, um, it definitely has advantages and in, in things that have to happen really fast, and also, you know, frankly, things that, um, yeah, like where speed of implementation and deployment are critical. Uh-huh. Like if you, you, you can't take six months to design something that may or may not be an issue in six months, you have to have something quick. And so FileMaker definitely has an advantage there where you can build, you can build useful applications really quickly and get them out through the web or through mobile or through desktop apps really fast. And even, you know, our, we'll talk about the platform in a bit, but the, the whole FileMaker cloud and being able to host your, deploy it from, from a cloud, from AWS or from FileMaker cloud is, is, helps us to get this done really quickly. I was reading articles about this. That is a key to Claris's success with the response. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You can't install servers. Again, it's one of these things. It's like ordering and installing hardware and connecting them and getting them hooked into the internet. It's not, you, you just, that's not going to happen in, in time to be, to be effective in, in, in any kind of crisis response. So yeah, being able to flip switches and turn on servers in the cloud is, is, is pretty important. The, there's a CNBC article um, from back in May when uh, John Reimer from a uh, cloud analyst at Forrester Research, he thinks that low code is, is going to have a profound inf- impact on the COVID response and just being able to do that. So, and it will grow the low code movement even more. So I think it, it'll help each other out. Um, but luckily we already have a platform that's been low code for 20 plus years. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, I, the, the, the low code term is, I mean, there's definitely something to it. I think that it's like any buzzword though, it can take on meanings, which are maybe less useful because the code that we're building isn't, I don't know that I would call it low. Um, and I certainly, I don't know that I would, you know, some people call them no code things. I certainly wouldn't call it no code. And I, I think it's, it's, um, there is there's some, I, the way I look at the low code movement sort of as a, what it, what it's a response to and what it maybe sort of really is under the hood is something more like, there's just a lot more code that we have to write. Like in terms of, that's how we do things today. We don't, we, we have to automate things. So how do we automate every aspect of our business or as much as we can of our business or our lives? Um, there's just so many more opportunities to apply software to problems now that we have everything so digitized that, uh, you know, low code or less code is, is going to be important because we just, we need more of it, right? So we need to problems to be solved by less of it so that we can use the more of it, if that makes sense. I think that's really what we're, what, why low code is really picking up is not necessarily because there's less code to write or there's, you know, less of a need. There's actually more of a need. So we need tools that are able to do that, that are able to do more with less, maybe as a way to put it. I don't know. I don't really have a good language for this yet, but I'm definitely, I, I definitely noticed that in my, in myself, I have a, a conflict around the word low code that, um, 
It just doesn't quite have a nice ring to ring to it for me. But anyway, Loco is definitely a big part of 2020. Uh, that definitely became a thing as um, uh, lots of platforms adopted that phraseology and um, uh, that, that kind of, you know, low code, no code kind of thing. Uh, so that was definitely 2020. And I, th- I think that'll continue. But what I think is interesting is that maybe another way to say it is that what low code is is going to be is more of a gateway to people writing no code and low code platforms are going to become a gateway to more and more people writing what we would call code, you know, or pro code, because they may start that way, but they're quickly going to start writing very advanced systems. And you see that with FileMaker all the time. You see people start where they're just like designing layouts and they're barely writing any code at all. And then six months later, they're writing very complex stuff. And you can't really call that complex stuff they're writing low code anymore. So low code is like a, maybe a gateway drug. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yep. And, and like you said, 2020 was the year of low code yeah. in, in terms of responding to the COVID-19 crisis. Claris themselves have posted a few uh, blog posts about this, about how they've helped out in the medical field and in the education field to provide apps and, you know, the, the software for responding quickly to changing um, circumstances. So that's pretty cool. I, I will, maybe we'll wrap this up at the end talking about what's, what we look forward to in the, in 2021. But like you said, this, this will continue. This probably yep. will continue. So. Yep. Um, all right. So the next one is Claris Engage yeah. 2020. Why don't you uh, talk to us about that? Well, of course, um, due to the pandemic, we had it virtually. And, um, you know, like many companies, many conferences went virtual this year. And it certainly is different. And it's certainly like, you know, like I've even had changes in sort of opinions since then uh, in my own opinion about what the worth, what the worth of a conference is, you know, like, like, why do we gather? But just in terms of what happened, I thought it was pretty great that we were able to do it. And, you know, the conference, all of the talks were good and informative and, uh, there's lots of good content produced, um, for the actual conference itself. And we got lots of, of, uh, plans about what's coming in the future and what had just, just been released and all, all those kinds of things. So all that was great, but you know, the, the community is really why we go to conferences. I mean, that's, I think is at the end of 2020, I can say that now there I've been, I, I could go to any conference I want now virtually, but I don't, <laughs> I don't. Why don't I? Because, because I really, what a conference really is about is about being able to connect with your, with people that you don't get to see all the time. And, um, and, uh, so we were able to do some of that, I think with Claris, engage and we had this thing called auto enter that we spun up really quickly to to create some kind of a community and 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 trade show and we used we use slack for that and that seemed to be a pretty big hit i mean i think everybody that participated loved it and uh, many people wanted it to stay around after the conference was over to continue the slack channel when we came up with the idea we, we really wanted it to be transient like that was actually that's actually another thing about a, about a conference you go you experience it and then you leave, right? It's like, it's over. And there's something nice about that. It's like you're getting from your regular routine to a different routine and then you go, then you're done with that routine. And we wanted to try to do that with, with auto enter. So our Slack channel and website um, went, went away when the conference was over. And uh, 
I feel like that was the right call and I would do it again if that's what we were going to do. Um, uh, we had a lot of great response from it. People really enjoyed it. People from Claris, a lot of people from Claris were actually joined in and were participating in the channels. And um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that that's one thing that made the the whole week of, of Claris Engage pretty awesome. I, I think that's what I heard generally from everybody. So yeah. um, talk about a rapid response to an ever-changing crisis. That, yeah. Was one yeah. of those, right? But and that defined 2020 as far as Claris Engage, and there was some other good, great stuff there as well. I mean, the whole conference was pretty awesome. It was all virtual, and yeah. they did a great job. Claris did a great job of of putting it together uh, quickly. You know, there was, I think, there was a a bit of grumbling at one point when the 1,000 and first person couldn't yeah. like see yeah. or couldn't uh, chat or something. I, there was some limit of how many people could actually participate in the WebEx session while the panelists were going on. But um, yeah, that'll never be a problem again, because since then there's been about a dozen virtual conference platforms shipped. (laughs) It's pretty easy to do nowadays, but at the time, you know, everybody's adapting, we're figuring it out and using the tools we have. And, you know, Claris um, being a part of Apple has WebEx and that was a tool they knew they could use. And, you know, you can't, if you're part of Apple, you can't just decide to adopt a brand new technology and use it the next day. I mean, that's just, you can't do it. There's, there's, there are security protocols that have to be dealt with. And so they had WebEx and they used it and, you know, um, auto enters website. Uh, it, it was a, it was a custom website, but it was built with FileMaker as the back end, and we used that and it worked great. Um, so yeah, we just, we just, uh, you take the tools you have and you, and you respond. That's what you do. Another thing of note for Claris Engage was that they had um, this, there were like just two days of conference time where it was pre-recorded keynotes from people at Claris. And then there were live panelists going mm-hmm. on. And you and I were part, part of one. I think you were part of two or something. Yeah. Um, and then they had a bunch of, rather than having any breakout sessions, you know, in the rooms and with the water and the long rows of tables, we had um, just the on-demand sessions that were released. I think they released like eight at a time throughout the next 10 weeks after yep. the conference. Yep. What do you think about that approach? Um, I mean, what was your thoughts about all of well, that? Well, I think, I think what this proved to me, I mentioned this a minute ago, but what, what this proved to me is that I don't... I. I, I, I'm not going to conferences for the content anymore. And like, I don't think that's been true for many years. We just didn't know that. Um, as long as videos are expected and they are now you're going to, every conference really releases videos. Um, almost all, they may keep some of them not, but almost all the content is released and that's not going away. Like it's just, there's, there's no way you're going to say, uh, you know, we're no longer going to re- release our videos to the internet anymore. That's not going to happen. So now that that's totally true is that we realize that the content is only one of the reasons that we go. And I mentioned before that obviously the community is another one. And, and, and I think the bigger one is actually the community, the getting out of your routine, getting into, you know, diving in hundred percent into the platform um, for a number of days is really why you go. And you can't do that a hundred percent virtually. Like you're still in your office, you've got your dogs or your kids, or, you know, you've got things going on that prevent you from, from being uh, fully there uh, as much as we would like to be. So, um, 
this is why I think that as soon as we can, we will go back to conferences, physical conferences, and, and they'll be they'll be different. They'll definitely have a a, a virtual component to them, but um, I definitely want to go somewhere and meet with my people, you know. And um, it it sounds to me like what you're saying is you just want to go and meet people for three or four days. You want the the Claris FileMaker community to come and join you, but you know. We can just make it all social time and then go back to our homes. Well, and I, I mean, the content is like inspirational. It's part of the reason, like, right. I mean, it's like you want to go, you want to see something and then you want to go talk to people about what you just saw. And, you know, you want to like meet him at the, at the hotel lobby and talk about, well, what do you think about this change that's coming or that? What did you think about so-and-so session? I mean, those are all the things that go on. So the content is an important part of it you want it and you need it. And it's a good place to, um, for Claris to talk about their philosophies, their roadmaps, what's coming, all those kinds of things. So the content is important, but it's not sufficient. It's like necessary, but not sufficient for a, for a conference. And, and the conference, um, is at least, uh, for the full experience is a physical one. You want to be there. And, um, not everybody can be there. There's lots of reasons why people can't come and, and at least now we know that we can deliver some part of that virtually, which is great. So at least people can get the content and they'll be able to participate in some form. There'll be some forums. There'll be some ways for people to meet virtually and discuss this stuff. Um, and that will, that will be the case for folks who can't travel to wherever the conference is or whatever, um, uh, or the timing doesn't work out, but we want to meet physically. And I think, I think we will go back to that. I certainly do. And I want to be fully immersed <laughs> in it. You know what I mean? In the file maker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to do that. So this was definitely a different year for that. Hopefully, like you said, it'll go back to something more, what we know is normal. I don't think as, as of this time, they haven't announced the actual dates yet. Well, they did, but they're going to change them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they, they sent out a survey recently that asked people, you know, where they would like to, where they would like to be, it to be, whether early summer or late fall, yeah. whatever. But so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, so that was a big part of 2020 for us. Um, and Claris did write up a, um, a uh, lessons learned from engaging, engaging 26,000 plus session attendees online. So, Hey, that was another difference, right? 26,000 yeah, wow. attendees. Well, 26,000 people signed up, right? Um, yeah. It's hard to know how many people are actually watching, but it definitely increases the audience size, which is great. Yeah. So I'm, 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 you know, overall, I think we, we want to go back to physical, but having this, this merge of, of the two worlds is actually a, a plus. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we get more people involved, which is great. Cool. Um, the last thing in the community that I've got here is just the fact that meetups also had to change the yeah. uh, user groups around the the world yeah. for that matter. They really had to find their, find their platform, find the voice, find the, the new angle for presenting. And in my opinion, and what I've seen, it went off really well. Um, people were using zoom most of the time or, or something, but they were able to quickly transition and, um, be still continue to engage their, their um, constituents as it were in their local areas on FileMaker. Um, And even, I mean, the the added benefit was that there were people from all over the world could, could attend. It's not just people that could drive 20 minutes to the Perkins or, you know, to the, the school auditorium or whatever. It was 
people could get the link and join and be a part of, of any um, groups discussion. So, yeah. And, I, and I, it's funny. I, I, Cause I think that user groups will stay shifted to virtual. Mm. Um, I think that's where I think people will gather again, but I think they will, they will also be virtual. And I think that will be uh, an important thing for, for user groups. Cause I've noticed that people just seem less over the years as, Again, it's more contents available online. It just made like, especially where I live in Southern California, I mean, getting to the user group is an all day affair. Like it's not something I can just pop out at the end of the day and go to a user group. Like getting to FM disc for me is, I mean, that's my whole day is, 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 is doing that. And so that, that's a little tough for, for some people. So now we have, you know, we're kind of merging this concept again and I expect that it will stay and that user groups will, um, will stay virtual from here on out and, and people will gather when they can, but it, they'll be virtual primarily. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting idea. It, it certainly is easier. I think, um, you know, you don't have to bring a projector and, uh, something to project the, the, the thing on. When I was part of the Denver FileMaker user group, we struggled with that, you know, getting a quiet space, moving tables around. So yeah, it's, I think it's a fun. challenge wherever you don't have a large enough population it's kind of a weird thing. It's like if your population is too big, then traffic's too much of a pain and nobody wants to deal with that at the end of the day. Um, but if your population isn't big enough, you don't have enough people to get it going. So it's just this weird, it's just a, a physical user groups are, are, are pretty tough, but I do think they'll be, I do think they'll still meet and they'll still be happening, but I just don't think they'll ever give up the virtual part anymore. Like there'll always be a virtual part for it, for user groups. It totally opens up the entire community for more opportunities right. to speak at user That's right. groups. That's right? right. Yeah, because now guests can come from anywhere too, which is really great because you can present from anywhere and that's super helpful. Yeah, I hope that I hope I really hope that someone takes advantage of that and really like pushes it out there. Cause I actually kind of struggled to find all the user group links. And I, I feel like that we someone that could have been done better where Someone said, oh, you know what? Every user group is virtual. Let me create an entire list of them and join, you know, and encourage people to join. Well, there, is, there, there is the Claris events page. If people have put their stuff right. in there, there, I don't That's know right. if any, how many user groups have done it, but um, it should be in there. Oh, yeah. I'll have to. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So, so there, I mean, if you're, if you're running the user group, you should be putting your stuff in the Claris events page, um, you know, for this reason in, in particular. Uh, I think most of them do, but I, I don't actually know. So you have to check it out. Actually, that's a good point. Maybe uh, we could spread the word. I may have to tweet about this and just say, hey, sign up for this one or this one. Because there's, there's you know, there's like the Kentucky user group or there's the uh, yeah, Ohio user group or, or the you know, ones that are that may not have as big profile of people as like FNDISC or maybe you know, others. Back. So, yeah, it's 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 good to get the word out there. Um I guess 2021 can be spreading the word about these meetups and it, we may, we may see all the same people at every single meetup, but that's okay. No, that's a good idea. We should do that. Let people all right. So all meetups are happening. I also wanted to talk about the Claris FileMaker platform that itself, like yeah. I'll let you speak a lot of this, but 2020 was sort of a Titanic shift in our, in our work, uh, yep. the platform that we know and love. We want to speak to that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, obviously we had, we had the add-ons and the JS, the JavaScript stuff. This is big and still just in the very beginnings um, of, of what we're going to be able, we're going to be able to do with that. 
um, machine learning, um, the shortcuts, better integration with native platform, which is really what shortcuts are. These kinds of things are going to make the platform more and more powerful over time, which is what we need, right? Um, you need to be able to do more things. So having all those new, those new tools in the tool belt are, are really important. The other thing is FileMaker 19 was the last, you know, sort of yearly big release that we're ever going to have. Um, we're now doing more frequent updates. I don't know what they're going to do about naming things. I don't know whether they'll just the first update and will be, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but um, there's no more, the way they're doing things now is, is much more iterative. I, I don't actually know exactly what their plans are in terms of like how they're judging what's a major release for versus a minor release. I just know they're doing something like that. They're figuring out, okay, this is a patch. This is an update. We need to get this out, bug fixes, but here's a bunch of, then this one is a bunch of new features. The, the thing for us to know is that we get releases all the time now. Um, and that's great. And the other thing is, is that older versions are, are not supported for anywhere near as long now. You basically have the last two, maybe 30 months of, of releases that are supported by, by, by Claris. This is a little bit of a hardship for folks, um, for people who are used to a different cadence and, you know, maybe their budgetary constraints are such that they can't upgrade as often. Um, and, or they, they haven't, they haven't been able to adjust their expectations to that yet, but I do think it's important. I just don't think you can expect to make an investment in a software platform and have that investment last for five or 10 years. Uh, which certainly you could have when I started in this in the nineties, it was not unheard of at all to have, have do something in, you know, year one and have it essentially go unchanged for 10 years. That's just not happening anymore. Yeah. So new, more often, more frequent releases, you know, open platform release is more about being able to use JavaScript libraries and open source software within, within the platform itself. So that's kind of new. We talked about the add-on server itself is going through a bunch of changes and some sort of very big, like a new platform. Linux is now available. Uh, that's a big, big, big deal uh, for people who want to do their own hosting on public clouds like AWS or Linux is a, is definitely just a cheaper uh, alternative to Mac and, and windows hardware for doing hosting or for, or for doing it in the cloud. You just don't pay the same cost. So it's pretty important in the long run. Uh, and then also just like in sort of the details of server, there's been a bunch of things under the hood that have changed. And Claris is now releasing on a, uh, when they make big releases, they have an engineering blog now, which we can link to in the show notes that uh, where you can go and look under the hood at some of these things that maybe don't get talked about in the marketing release, but are there, you know, like how, how, uh, how the server is changing. The latest release uses HTTP two, as opposed to HTTP one, that may not mean much to you right off the bat, but some for folks who do know about that, uh, it's important to know that that is now what's happening there. So you can read about those things in the engineering blog, which uh, which is nice. That's also new. I think I'm excited. To, well, we'll talk more about what's coming, but I'm definitely excited to see new stuff coming for the add-ons um, uh, that we can we can get even better at making these add-ons in the future. But 2020 was a was really like, you know, ground zero for that. And we're just going to get better and better as the years go on. I'm noticing a lot of people talking about the add-ons as well. Like I said, productive computing did a bunch of videos about that. People are asking questions about that. So it's, it's good to see that they're getting used. You know, they may not, 
they, people may wish for it to do X when it really does Y or, yeah. you know, whatever, but it, it's getting talked about and they're yeah. getting used. And that's, that's really cool to see. Um, I just, I just was looking at Claris's um, support page and they did say that, you know, roughly in, in 2021, they're going to start just calling the product FileMaker. There you go. And yeah. then, and then they have a 2020.1 release, 20. 20.2 release and so yeah. forth. So yeah. maybe they're going to drop the 19. I don't know. You know, there's, um, there was a question about this on the forums. Will there ever be a FileMaker 20? So I think they I should just go with the but, year. That makes a lot more sense, especially because yeah. right now it's only off by one. So it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. FileMaker 19 was released in 2020. I mean, that is like, you know, so I, I think they should go with, with yearly releases, 2021 dot whatever would be great and it would work like it's all we just need to be able to test for the latest for the version so as long as we can return a number that we can say this is greater than and then we're good so yeah. it's so so the whole claris platform changed a lot in the year 2020 mm -hmm. and um it uh you know along with everything else it prompted us to rethink how we deploy how we update what do we do with our customers you know all that stuff how you know, for content providers, <laughs> it's a never-ending business as well because you're always yeah. having to write about the newest stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, there the uh, one big thing that happened was the new JavaScript stuff, the new JavaScript function, FileMaker.PerformScript, it actually changed its behavior between yep. Um, yep. minor releases. So, you know, this is, we're having to get used to this and we're going to have to roll with this from now on, right? Yep. So. 2020 is wow. It's just a crazy year. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. uh, I turned 45 in, in 2020 and, um, thought it was, you know, a milestone, uh, birthday and, but everything else happened. So, yeah. Yeah. That, so in the grand scheme of things, your 45th doesn't mean much. doesn't mean yeah. much. No. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to us Geist interactive. Um, what, what did we do in 2020 that was noteworthy? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Not much. I mean, we are pretty instrumental in the add-ons, obviously. And we've talked yeah. about that before. And um, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, we did some speaking at Engage. You and I were both there. Um, we've done a lot of content, tons of content. Um, we produced some internal tools, which we hope to make external at some point, but um, just things working with XML and other stuff that, Hopefully we can release to the general public maybe in 2021. But, uh, you know, we were just extremely busy, frankly. I mean, obviously there was a period where that was not the case um, when the pandemic really started rolling in, in, in the spring. Uh, it, was a, it was a very rough spot there. But, but other than that, we've been pretty busy and continue to be busy. And so that is just, it's just great. It's very appreciated, really. Um, let's, 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 uh, hit some of those in detail. And I've got a few to add that, that I want to point out. So, so we, we were able to work with the add-ons and we've done many podcasts and blog posts about that, but that was, that was pretty awesome that Claris reached out to a partner to ask for help in this stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've done that before. They just haven't, because it's again, a new regime, they're much more open about these kinds of things. And so it was very clear that that happened. Okay. Um, but most of the templates and other kind of tools like that have been released, have been built by partners um, in the past. You just never knew it. Okay. Um, and so that was new. That was very new. That's good. Okay. 
Um, also, uh, a few of our members had some noteworthy things I, I want to be sure and point out. Our, um, our colleague, Barbara Cooney, was, uh, she spoke at WIT FM mm-hmm. once yeah. this year, and I thought that was pretty awesome. She spoke about transactions, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is great, again, because I think it was something she didn't know about when she joined Geist Interactive, but has yeah. devoted her time here to learning it. Yeah. Uh, mainly because she works with you and Dave all the time, yeah. right? So <laughs> she had to learn it, but she was then able to speak about it at uh, the the Women Innovating Together uh, meetings. So I thought that was pretty noteworthy. Um, I'm not the only, you're not the only speaker in the, in the, in the yeah. company anymore, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, we hired a new guy. I actually don't know when Jason came on board. I think it was. Before, it was in the end of 2019, actually. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of been a little dark horse, if you if you will. He's been uh, kind of uh, <laughs> surprising me at every turn. He he works he worked in Vegas for a long time, and he was a stage manager, I think, at yeah. Siegfried and Roy show, which I'm very jealous about. <laughs> but he's uh, he's really taken on an interesting role at our company. I I'm he's learning server, he's learning auto, he's he's working with uh, installing and updates and certificates. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like as I mentioned before, you, um, the days of learning everything about the platform are, are really over. You, you need to specialize. And Jason is, has specialized to some degree in, in handling a lot of our infrastructure, um, being able to install and set up servers and auto and, you know, our product auto, which has to be tested. I mean, there's a lot that goes into, into putting out a product like auto and testing it on all these different platforms. And, and so Jason has, has been, has been the guy that's um, taken on a lot of that stuff, which is super useful. Yeah, it's cool to see people step into their own and, you know, kind of become a, a important player, not just a developer working on client stuff, but actually being a part. Well, developers and, are pretty important too. So we love yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about Dave? Did he did, did he do anything this year? Well, Dave did a lot. I mean, Dave always does a lot, but he also was very essential in a lot of the the work that went on with Auto in terms of designing the FileMaker, the FileMaker UI that we have for Auto and a lot of the testing and the support. One thing we didn't mention was we did some office hours stuff um, with our products, which we'll continue to do in some form in 2020. We'll probably change it a little bit, but we definitely liked doing that and find that to be useful. So Dave hosted the auto FM, uh, the auto office hours, and um, I mean auto is, I think Dave's favorite product, and uh, so he took he took big ownership on the on the FileMaker part of that. So yeah, and all the internal tools, like I said, there's a lot that we haven't been able to release just because taking something from an internal tool to a product is actually a a pretty large leap. So um, something has to really get the attention to get to, to, to make that leap. And some of them just haven't, haven't been able to get that yet. One of, one of his internal tools, I kind of hadn't really looked at too much, mainly because I don't open a lot of client files. But in the past couple of months, I was working with many client files and suddenly I realized I needed to learn this tool. So I had to go back and, <laughs> and learn it. So Dave. Uh, well, yeah, Dave, I mean, we have this one that I hopefully we'll be able to release some in some form, the vault. Yeah. I was, vault, we could talk about that. What we have for storing credentials and, 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 and doing that is super important. It's become absolutely essential to my daily life. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was Dave's idea. Dave and Jason worked on that. And that'll see the light of day somehow. I don't know exactly what form it will take, but it will, it will, it will be released outside of our company in some form um, in the next year. 
And it is, it really, I, in fact, it's funny, like of all the things that have ever been built at, uh, either by me or at a company that, that I've worked at, I don't know that anything has given, has made such a difference in my daily life because it basically removes the complexity around hopping in and out of client files that have different credentials and in different servers and in different places. It just, all that is taken care of for me and, and I love it. So that was, uh, that was a big part of it. Dave wrote. Dave and Jason did all of the FileMaker side, and I, I came in at the end and wrote a little web front end, front end and desktop app for it that just kind of wraps up a couple things nice. But really, the the big bulk of the work was done by by Dave and Jason there. Yeah, so we you know we got a small team, and uh, but we are we are just all doing our part and just being a part of the team and and uh, contributing in pretty awesome ways, you know. So. That's, uh, that's good. Uh, and you know, last, I'm going to, I'm going to say this one more time, but we kind of, I worked on that JavaScript learning path, which yep. I think that was actually really cool. for, for 2020 and that it's, it's, um, helping FileMaker developers find a way into JavaScript yep. without having to know everything about JavaScript. Yep. So yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a interesting idea. And, you know, again, it just came out of my experience and uh, kind of like what Dave, he was tired of dealing with all these passwords and authentication. So he built vaults. Um, I just built this path for based on my experience. So that was, uh, I think that was a notable piece of 2020. Yep, it's important. Yeah. So lots, lots going on in 2020. Um, and, uh, we can now safely shut the door and yeah. never look back on that year Yeah, and <laughs> instead look forward. So yeah. just what do you see in the FileMaker community, uh, in the whole ecosystem in the next year? It's going to be an exciting year, um, in the whole ecosystem. I think the big things are going to be the marketplace improving, and the add-ons improving as people get better at building them, there'll be more and more useful stuff happening there. Um, there's going to be a lot of like under the hood, like changes, I'm sure, because they're moving so quickly now. There'll be a lot of interesting things coming out, technical details on the platform. But I, you know, my thing has been for over a decade was to, um, was to try to get this marketplace thing into a, um, you know, just being more useful. We've always had kind of a made for FileMaker, but it, it just wasn't very useful. And, and also FileMaker had some technical um, issues that just made it hard to make this kind of modular code. And so modular FileMaker was an attempt at this. Um, some of the add-ons are another way into this. And I just think we're going to see more of that. And once once code can be delivered more modul modularly, then things like marketplaces get even better. And I've always said that that having a thriving third-party ecosystem is essential to for the success of the platform. And I think it's 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 one of the reasons why the platform has survived for so many years now. You know, almost thirty years or more um, is because there always has been a third-party ecosystem. But we want to see that get better and more powerful and fit really well into the modern um, sort of expectations that people have. And so the JavaScript stuff is critical to that. Um, I think we're going to see more more interesting things happening there, um, easily more easily installed, more easily updated, et cetera, et cetera. So, lots of cool stuff happening there. Um, I think uh, we got some interesting things happening, which we'll talk about in future podcasts. Uh, it's going to make it pretty exciting. So, that's going to mm -hmm. be fun. And then you know, 
Oh, is I, someone buying the our podcast? Is somebody what? Oh, is somebody buying. That, yes, we're taking anybody wants to come and purchase. Uh, I think Joe Rogan got like a hundred million for his podcast. Maybe somebody will I'll take that. Spotify paid him. I think it was a hundred million, something crazy like that. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that space. I think maybe we need to do. I don't know. I think podcasts will be important, but I think there's probably some new multimedia thing that will be coming as a result of all this virtual stuff that's happened. I think we'll see some new ways of presenting information over the, over the airwaves, so to speak. And so, you know, we'll, we'll adjust to those as they come. One, one thing I'm looking forward to in 2021 is hopefully we, we know for sure that edge is out of their edge web kit is out of beta, right? That is that is a big one. And that's like one of those technical details that when it comes will be sort of a quiet ground shaker as it removes the need for any FileMaker developer to care about Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer 11, which is still unfortunately a problem for us. But uh, soon, hopefully, that will be a thing of the past. And uh, at some point it has to be because Edge has been deprecated and it's out of all of the components that use it at Microsoft are deprecated. So at some point, FileMaker will have to get rid of it. It'll just have to be, Claris will have to get it out of the platform. And um, uh, I hope that day is very soon. <laughs> yeah. And I hope great things for the community too. I, you know, the, the community is itself, the platform is getting better. They're doing more with MVPs, bringing more voices into yeah. it. Um, I, you know, I'm part of that, that process to just, bounce ideas with Claris and, and give them some feedback on some things. So I know they're always working on the platform to make it better. I'm sure that some people in our community is going to step up when the next crisis happens and be a part of that. Let's, it's let's, just... let's hope there's not in 2021. <laughs> okay. That's true. But if there is, we're still, we're still in the middle of this one. I mean, you know, it's still bad. So yeah, let's hope we can get rid of this one. Let's hope we can wind this one down. Okay. Meet in person at DevCon, <laughs> wherever it tends to be near the end of the year or whenever that is. Hopefully, uh, cross our fingers. That would be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what it does. And for us at Geist Interactive here, we're going to get these podcasts out more often. We, there was a couple months when didn't uh, get a few out and I kind of fell off my regularly scheduled time. So We'll get back to that, provided that I can get people to um, join. So, hey, listeners, again, if you uh, have a great topic you'd like to talk about, please let me know. I would love to hear your voice and your thoughts about about the Claris FileMaker platform. And that means you too, Todd, right? So you're my my guest when no one else... We're going to have lots of stuff. We'll have lots of stuff to talk about in the new year. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I got some great upcoming episodes here. So, all right, well, uh, let's uh, break and see what 2021 brings us and uh, say goodbye to 2020. Thank you. Good riddance. (laughs) Bye. Bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. 2020 was quite a year and much of what happened in the Claris FileMaker community has positive effects and propels us forward, helping us make better apps, helping us solve problems better, and even helping us gather the community in all sorts of ways. 
I'm glad we got to take a review of 2020 because we will find that this was a big year for Claris FileMaker. If you're so inclined, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. Drop us a line at support at geistinteractive.com and let us know what you think and what topics you'd like to hear. Until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king. Thank you.